on chapter two. We're still in between series, and so uh, we've been talking about a lot of different things, mostly church health over the past several weeks, and I'm thankful for Pastor Jake Beatty that preached last week as he uh, preached from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy, on what the church's priority should be, that we should love God. Today, I want to preach to you on the priority of Jesus and understanding who he is. Let us make no mistake about it that Jesus Christ is the most important thing in the world. He is God and God's son. He is God's son that came to us, took on flesh and became a man so he could live the life that we live, so he could identify us in every way and then give himself up for us. Folks, God loves us. And God loves us to the extent that he sacrificed his son, Jesus, for us. And whoever believes him and trusts that will be forgiven of their sins. Because Christ died for us, we can be forgiven of our sins and be right with God, have peace with God, and be in a good, healthy relationship with God, our maker. We can be in the family of God, our creator, because of Jesus. This is what the Bible teaches, and this is what we must be teaching, and this is what we must believe. Because Jesus is so extremely important, truly the most important thing in our lives, in your life, we are to recognize him as worthy. The Bible says at the very end of the Bible, worthy is the lamb who was slain, worthy. He is worthy of our lives, our surrender, our devotion, our obedience. He is worthy of how we live and how we act. He's worthy of everything we do. It is right and true that every single human being ought to be orienting their lives around Jesus. He deserves all of our love and devotion. But we must understand him the way the Bible wants us to. The Bible says that we are not to be people that boast. We should not boast. All the glory goes to God. But in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah chapter 9, it does say this. If you do want to boast, boast about this, that you know me, that you understand me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness and justice in the earth. What a thought. God wants us to know him. And he wants us to know him through his son who has come to do the work for us. We cannot earn anything before God. There's nobody that's good enough. You can stop trying to be good enough. You're not going to earn it. You're not going to perform enough. That's not the message from God. God sent Jesus to be our savior. And we want to worship him back. We must not lose sight of this. So this morning we look at 1 John chapter 2. John and 1 John, 1 John is one of the many small letters in the New Testament. There are several, 27 books in the New Testament, but most of them are small little letters. And there are three at the end of the New Testament, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, not to be confused with John, all right? John is a gospel at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Same guy, but the first one is a report on Jesus' life. That's the gospel of John. But here at the back, we have three letters that John wrote to Christians. Not real clear on who they were written to, but three small letters, and this is the first one. It's called 1 John. Today, we're gonna look at chapter two, verses one and two. 
Read with me. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. What a, what a God we have. What a Father in heaven. What a message that he has given us and a book that he has given to us, a living and true word that you and I have the awesome opportunity and privilege to have and to hold and to read and to process and to devote ourselves to and to understand what a message. This passage here, these two verses are two of the most beautiful verses in the whole New Testament. I want to encourage you to underline, highlight these, to know these. I want to encourage you to memorize these and know them. These are verses that you ought to uh, repeat to yourself. These are verses that you ought to teach your children. These are verses that you ought to know for you need them. In the days where you are stressed or overwhelmed, in the days where you feel unworthy and feel like a failure and you just can't live up to the standards of this life, you need to know truths like this. And I hope over the next few minutes to make them even more beautiful to you. My first point this morning is a short but needy one. Number one, don't sin. Two words, don't sin. Does everybody see there the tenderness from John when he says, my little children? Now, it is a big debate on why he says this. Why is he talking like this? And he does it a lot in 1 John. He says, my little children. Is he the youth minister at his church or the kids minister there? Or is this the apostle John, right? Why is he saying that? Does he have a pastor's heart? And so he's just trying to speak tenderly to his people. Is he older than them? And so he just calls people kids. What's the point here? Well, it's hard to really figure that out, but I think we're moving in a good direction when we say it's just softness. It's just softness. Because here's why. He's talking to them about sin. Folks, we are living in a day where people may not even think sin is a real thing, but it is. There are things that are bad and things that are wrong. There are things that God hates and there are things that God says not to do. There are things that God says not to do and there are things that God says to do that people don't do, right? And so these things are sin, they are bad. And the wages of sin is death and the guilt that comes from him is very real. We know lots of people these days who are living with the guilt that comes from sin. The Bible has always said that guilt comes from sin. And yet, because we don't think it's sin, we don't know why we feel guilty. And this is like such a simple depiction of what's going on in our world. A world full of people with guilt and shame, and they don't know why, and they're asking why? Where's this coming from? Why am I in this position? Now, not everybody that feels guilty and shameful is in sin. Don't hear me say that. But I want you to see that the Bible speaks toward sin, but he does it with tenderness here. My little children. And what he says first 
is I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. John wants them to not sin. He wants them to stop sinning. He wants them to sin less. He wants them to hear his message, uh, which is my first point here today, don't sin. Now, listen to me for a second, okay? Everybody wake up. This is a part of God's message. It is not all of God's message. Please listen. If you hear anything today, listen, it is not all of God's message. Do not leave here today and say, that's all our message is. Do not leave here today and say, that's all God's message is. Do not leave here today and go home and try to parent thinking that is what God's message is. It is not all of God's message. It is a part of the message and it is a necessary and an absolute part of the message, but it is not the whole message. If you want to become wayward from the truth and from grace and from the mercy of God, then you take that message, the first point of don't sin, and you obsess over it and you lose the other parts that are even sweeter and you become somebody who is not representing God and his goodness and the Savior, Jesus. With that being said, we must know that that is a part of the message. Don't sin. This is what God says. But the reality is, as much as we try, we still do. And even you guys that are so well behaved, you still sin. Sin happens on the inside of us as well as on the outside of us. And so even though you've learned to walk a really, really straight line, it's not so straight on the inside. Cademan's Call that I fell in love with in college has a good old song that says, crooked deep down. If you've never heard that song, Crooked Deep Down, look it up. Cademan's called Crooked Deep Down. And the message is saying, hey, I've learned to do a lot of good things on the outside of my life that make me feel like I'm a good person, but Lord, I'm crooked deep down. The Bible teaches us that we are sinners from start to end and frontward and backward and outside and inside. We don't love God first and foremost. He is not what we worship all the time. And so that is sin. And we need to hear the message, don't sin. Folks, that needs to be the case in your life, that there are things that are right and things that are wrong, things that you should do and things that you should not do. And the Bible talks a lot about those, right? I mean, everybody knows the Ten Commandments, and there are several things in the Ten Commandments that we are to learn to do and things to not do. And so we need to hear this message, don't sin. But you need to make sure you're listening to me so that you're not thinking that's the whole message. The message is not, and I will preach this till the day that I die, it is not for you to come to church and leave out of here going, okay, uh, the message is don't sin and try not to sin anymore. That's not the message. It's a part of the message. But that alone is not it. You didn't come here to become a better person today. You didn't come here to improve upon yourself today. You came here today to behold Christ, the risen Savior, the King of all creation, the one worthy, the one that every person will bow down to one day, the one that every mouth will praise one day in the future. 
Every single person in here, the babies that are crying, the kids that are uh, fidgety, every person in here from the oldest to Miss Laverne Bozart that I just spoke so well of, every single one of us will stand before Jesus Christ one day. We will look him in the eye. He will look us in the eye. We will have a conversation about how unworthy we are and how much we need him. That is going to happen to you sometime near in the future. Could be sooner than you realize. And you will not make it through because you're so good. You can make it through because he's so good. Our message is don't sin. God's message is don't sin. But as you know, in this world, that conversation can become very complicated really quickly and get really messy. And so I want to remind you that it is so wrong of Christians, of Bible believers, of church people like us. It is so wrong. When you and I start to emphasize some sins over other sins. And I want to set you free here today to stop being the decider on which sins are bad and which sins aren't bad. Y'all, we are ruining ourselves and our witness. By the way, we really get worked up over these and we'll do social media rants about how bad these things are and really not even mention how bad these things are. Folks, let's let God be the decider, the decision maker, the standard on what is sin and what is not sin. Let's show no partiality. Along those lines, let me also say that not only are we really going in a wrong direction when we emphasize some sins over others, but Jesus teaches us that we are to know and understand ourselves as the biggest sinners of all. Jesus gives the most helpful illustration when he says that often religious people are pointing out a speck, a little dot in somebody else's eye, while they have a log or a plank in their own eye. And he tells this story because it happens so much that we get bothered by somebody else's sin and we're not bothered by ours. And realistically speaking, according to Jesus, ours is usually a bigger deal than theirs is. But because of the way we are sinful, we're more bothered by other people's sins than ours. A part of our sinning is how we're bothered by other people's sins more than our sins. I mean, we're so sinful that we sin when we try not to sin and we sin when we're not sin. Right? We sin through and through, inside and out. There's lots of sin going on in our lives. And so not only can we not emphasize some over the other, we have to be careful and honest to make sure that we don't think you're a worse sinner than we are. Let me tell you the truth and set you free here this morning. You're the worst sinner you know. You are. Now, I'm not saying you're the worst person that I know, but you sin. And we all struggle with sin in our hearts, pride, lust, anger, laziness, discouragement, doubt. We could go on and on. And these don't even get to the things that we often think are the, are the big ones. But people sin. And the Bible's message to us is don't sin. So we've got to be careful with that. Another thing that we've got to be careful with when we start saying don't sin is what actually is Sin. This is a big deal, and this is a big conversation. 
The Bible tells us in this long book what is sin, and there are a lot of things that the Bible says aren't sin. The Bible doesn't speak to. So we need to read it. Would you admit here this morning that there are a lot of things that you don't know if it's sin or not? Would you be honest here this morning and say, you know what? I've never actually tried to read about what the Bible says is sin or what isn't. I've just been thinking about how I was raised. There's some people out there that think how you wear your pants is sin. It's not. Now, why you wear your pants like that might be sin. We get caught up in is this sin or is that sin? And yet, so few of the people that are having those conversations or pointing those fingers or looking in those eyes haven't even sought out, God, what do you think? Is, is that sin? We must be people in loving and committing ourselves to follow Christ have learned from him about what it means to follow Christ. Here today, particularly on sin. So yes, the Bible's message is don't sin. We see this here. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Church, listen to me. You need to be working to sin less. You need to be thinking about, does God like this? Does he not like this? Is he pleased with this? Is God pleased with the way I speak to my wife? Does he like it when I'm short or loud or angry? Is God pleased with my work ethic? Is it cool to always be late? Is it cool to cut corners? Is it cool to do a half job? Is God pleased with that? Is he worshiped in that? You need to be thinking about, is this right? Is this wrong? Is this sin? Is he pleased? Is God worshiped? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, God, is a prayer that we have in the Old Testament. You need to be thinking about your thought life, your, the way you talk. Is that pleasing to God? If not, it could be sin. And the Bible says, don't sin. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That's our first point today. But as I said, as soon as I started, that is not the whole message. Everybody got that? That is not the whole message. Just as soon as the tender apostle John says, little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Look what he says next. Oh, have this underlined and memorized in your heart. If you're new to church, if you recently came to Christ, if you're waiting to get baptized, if you admittedly haven't read the Bible, if all of this is somewhat new to you, don't miss what I'm about to show you. First John chapter two, the second sentence of verse one. But if anyone does sin. Does everybody see that? Well, everybody right now here in this building today admit that they see that. Can we be done with being legalistic, prideful, judgmental church people that think that we're better than everybody else, that point fingers and look down? Because that is not it. That is not what God's people are to be like. Just as quickly as the apostle John says, don't sin, he comes right back and says, but if you do, in his life, with believers, faithful followers of Jesus, children of God, he had room for don't sin and what if you do? You need to have that in your life. This isn't gonna be a sermon on parenting, but there's a huge lesson right there on parenting. Don't do this, 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 don't do this. And in parenting, there are so many don't do that, right? All the time. If you want to reflect the Father in heaven, 
where you go from there, when they still do it, shows how Christian you are in your parenting. Let's be honest about that. One of my biggest fears is that in trying to be a good dad is that I won't reflect the Father in heaven. Dads, moms, this passage here will help us. You need to be ready to say, I told you not to do that. And when they do it, you need to be ready for what you're going to say next. So what's he saying? Number two, if we do sin, my second point, if we do sin, don't run away from God, run to Christ. That's the second point. If we do sin, don't run away from God, run to Christ. Christ. Look what he says here. Look back at your Bible. If anyone, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What a verse. Notice that when we are trying to get somebody or we're in training and we're trying to teach somebody to do something, we say, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And they say, well, yeah, but, but what happens if you do? Well, you can't let it happen, right? Don't, don't do it, don't do it. But yeah, but what happens if I do? Well, don't, just don't do it, right? We don't want that to happen, right? But notice that if it ever is going to happen, if there's a chance it's going to happen, you have to be willing to say and know what your good, helpful, productive, proper response will be. And so here he's teaching us. But if you do sin, we have an advocate. In our training, perhaps in our parenting, in our discipleship, we have been taught to say, but if you do sin, here's what you do. If that does happen, here's what you do. If this does come up, here's what you do. But notice that the Apostle John, in his tenderness, good, faithful, gospel, Bible, truthful teaching, does not say, here's what you do. He says, if you do sin, Here's what he did. Do you hear that? Do you see that? Don't sin. But if you do, Jesus. But if you do, we have Jesus. Now I said, here's, it's not what you do, it's what he did. But it's actually even better than that because if we say, here's what he did, it sounds like it's a one pastime event and we're just kind of like, well, I believe that, but it's not that big of a deal in my life right now. But it's not even, here's what he did. Look what it says. If you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Right now, we have that. Right now. It's not 2,000 years ago, this man that nobody cares about anymore died on a cross, and we're begging you to still let something that's ancient be significant in your life. It is true, that is true, but that's not his point right here. 
His point right here is right now, on August the 8th of 2021, in the heavens, God is sitting on the throne. And the Bible teaches us that the accuser, the devil, is there speaking to God, saying, that Josh Green guy, he is so much of a fake, he's so much a hypocrite, he is so prideful, he is so much a mess, he's not really that good of a pastor, he's not really that good of a dad, he's not really that good of a husband. And the devil is accusing us, accusing us to God right now. But you know what the Bible also says? is that right there, closer to the Father than the devil is, sitting at the right hand of God, is Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who never sinned, who died on the cross, who rose again, been to death, been to the grave, lives now, reigns forevermore, and is sitting down, speaking to the Father as an advocate. That's not true, Father. That's not true, Father. I died for him. Josh has been forgiven of his sins. He's trusting in you. My blood has washed him clean. You remember I died. You remember I went before him. You remember I paved the way. And, and and, And Jesus is advocating on our behalf right now, speaking to the Father. Right now, that is going on. And one day soon, God is going to say, and the Bible does not tell us when. If anybody ever says they think they know when, they don't know. But one day soon, God is going to say, son, Jesus, it's time to go. And he will get up. And however he does it, we don't know. He's coming back. And when he comes back, everybody forgiven of their sins will be taken up with him forever in heaven, forevermore. Because the salvation that Jesus gives, the saving and the life change that he gives is so strong and real and secure that he is there right now talking to his father in heaven on our behalf. He is an advocate. And this isn't like, hey, your little buddy works down at the uh, local restaurant. If you go there, he'll hook you up. You'll order a water. He'll give you a Coke cup. You can get you a cup. This isn't like some little hookup. This is God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, right? This is God Almighty speaking to the Father, the judge of all creation, about how he on the cross took our sins. We have that. We have that sort of privilege. This isn't like your friend's a manager. This is like your friend is the inventor, owner over everything. This is the biggest advocate there could possibly be. This is somebody speaking on your behalf. We have that. We have that right now. And if you know that, and if you believe that, then our response in our sin is not to run away from him. That doesn't make sense. If you have that good of a connection, why would you run from it? You run to him. And he's got me. And he'll receive me. And he loves me. And he died for me. Hey, I know that it cost him his life. I know about the blood that was shed. I know about the wrath that he absorbed on the cross. I know about the death that he died. Hey, he loves me. I'm gonna go talk to him. I'm gonna trust in him. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. If we do sin, don't run from God, run to Christ. This is the whole message. The whole message is you and I sin. And there are times when we will sin here in the future. And the Bible says right here that he understands that. The Bible says that the Bible understands that. The Bible says that John the apostle understands that. The Bible says here, inspired by God, that God understands that. God knows that you here today, you churchgoers, will sin this week. God knows that. 
He's saying don't. You leave out of here trusting in Christ, trying your best not to, depending on him. But he knows that you will. And when you do, what will you do about it? You should believe what he's done about it. And you should believe what he's doing about it right now. Advocating on your behalf. Talking to the Father for you about his perfect sacrifice. The holy, sinless, perfect Son of God who died on the cross in our place. You should believe that. You should lean on that. You should trust that. One of the neat things about parenting that has taught me so much about my faith and has taught me so much about this is that when you raise little kids, they don't like it when you get on them. They don't like it to be called out. They don't like it to be called down. They don't like it for you to scold them. They don't like it for you to get on them. They don't. But it has been a lesson that I have not forgotten. When you get on a kid or you chastise them, and when you do, they run to you for a hug. Has that ever happened to you? That happens in parenting. You get on them because you are disappointed. They've done something they should not have done. And when you get on them, they run to you for a hug. Now let's be honest. The older they get, maybe the less that happens. But let's not miss the lesson that it is the younger child that knows in all of my emotions, in my guilt, in my wrongness, the best thing for me is my father or mother that loves me. And in your life, when you're wrong, the best thing for you is the God that loves you. Yes, he's the God that said, don't sin. But he's also the God that provides the answer for that sin. That is why this message is so critical. That is why we must speak what the Bible says so that the world that only gets bits and pieces of what we believe will understand, so that you will understand accurately what God says. It is not, don't sin, you awful sinners. Y'all are so messed up. It's not that. It is don't sin, but if you do, I've already dealt with it. And I'm dealing with it now by advocating on your behalf. So run to God, not from God. But here's the thing. This becomes very much so a doctrinal thing, meaning what you believe. Let's just be honest. Let's be real honest here. While it's one simple verse, Hey, little children, I'm writing these things to you so you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's the whole verse. It's one little verse. But what it's showing us, if we're supposed to respond to Jesus, it's showing us that what we do when we sin starts to reveal to us what we think about God and how he feels about it and what we think about sin and how we feel about it. Don't miss that. There's a case study going on in your life every time you sin. What you believe about God and how he feels about that and what you believe about sin and how you feel about that. 
Let me say that again. When you sin, you get in a fight at home, you lose your cool, and you say that thing you wish you hadn't said. Which, by the way, it is just words, but bad, cutting words stick for a long time. If you've ever yelled at somebody, you're worthless. You're so stupid. I would never do that. I never did that when I was your age. They remember it. They cannot forget that. They try to forget that. They cannot forget that. Our words hurt deeply. And there's a case study going on right now in your heart and your mind and your soul and who you are. There is a case study going on in you, inside of you. How's God feel about that? How do I feel about that? Is it really bad? Was it really wrong? Am I just human? I mean, is this stuff happening? Surely it's happening in every home, right? I mean, how you reason yourself out of it. And let me just set you free here today with what John is saying. Admit, and that was awful. That was so bad. I can't believe I said that. I shouldn't have said that. I really did say that. That's horrible. There's a ton of damage there now. God, I know you hate that. And I feel terrible for it. And I'm convicted of it. I need God. And I know he's there for me. And I know he loves me. And I know he sent Jesus for me. And I know that even right now, Jesus is speaking to the Father on my behalf. I need to believe that. I need to trust him. I need to run to Christ and not run from God. I need to not make excuses. I need to not go and try to make it better. I need to deal with this sin and ask God to forgive me, run to Christ. And then you need to go and make it better. You need to apologize. You need to repent to God. You need to repent to the person. You need to go and do everything you can. And you need to labor in the rest of your life to show that was wrong and you're trying to do right. The message is don't sin. But the message is also when we do sin, because we all do, how do we respond to it? If we do sin, don't run from God, run to Christ. I said that it's a case study on who is God and how does he feel about this and who are we and how do we feel about this sin. So my third and final point will take that home. Christ the advocate has dealt with our sins already. We must believe that God's already dealt with this that our sins have been dealt with. Look at back what it says here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And now verse 2. He, Jesus Christ the righteous, is the propitiation for our sins. This Jesus, who is the righteous one, he never sinned. Everything he ever did was perfectly right. He was tempted in every way, but he never gave in. He is holy. He is all completely God. He does not sin. He's the righteous one. 
And that righteous one, Jesus, is the one who God gave to die for us on the cross. A long time ago, some 2,000 years ago, they nailed Jesus to a cross. I want to demonstrate for you what happened here. There were three nails that took Jesus to the cross. You've heard that before, right? And that's because they do like this, and they nail him to the cross. And I'm sure you've heard before, but it kind of went through the wrist here, below the hand. If you try to nail a heavy human being right there, nothing in here is strong enough. It'll just rip apart. So they go right here between these bones. But that's just two nails, right? And they take the legs and they cross them over. And they take the third nail and it goes through both legs and into the cross. So it's like this. But I'm standing up right now on my legs. They're hanging. So it's more like this that they're hanging on the cross, like this, in this position. And they can't breathe because their arms are up and they're hanging and it's awful and that's why it's like (gasps) And so the only way to breathe is to push up. But I'm standing, right? They're hanging, what are they pushing up on? The one giant nail that's through both legs. And if you ever could see somebody hanging on a cross, this is what's going on the whole time. Not to mention that they're already completely exhausted. But for survival, it's It's like that, until eventually they completely give out. And we know, the Bible teaches us, that Jesus died quickly on the cross. By the time they came to see if he was still alive, to take him down off the cross before sunset, before Sabbath, he was already dead. They were supposed to break the legs to make them not be able to push up. You've heard that before. If they're still alive, they will break their legs so they can't push up anymore. They didn't have to break Jesus' legs. The Old Testament says none of his bones would have been broken, and they weren't because he was already dead. The Bible says they stabbed him in the side to see if he was dead. And when they drove that big spear into his side, the the right fluids came out to prove that he was dead. But he's the righteous one. Why did he die? Because at some point on the cross, God put your sins on him. At some point. They tell us, you read the Bible, we see these like six different sayings that Jesus said on the cross. You've heard that before, right? One of them is, I'm thirsty. And remember they brought him uh, that nasty, sour thing on a stick to just put in his mouth, which was gross. Another one was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Another one was, behold, my mother, your mother, what he said to John. And all those things sound right in line with what we had always heard from Jesus. Do you remember what he said towards the end? It wasn't Father, forgive them. My God, my God, why are you forsaking me? God had turned his back on Jesus. God had been pleased to pour out the wrath of God, the full judgment against sin on his son right there on the cross. He killed him on the cross because greater love has nobody than this, that he would lay down his life for us. Jesus dealt with our sins. We are not gonna be the people to say sin's not a real thing. It cost him his life. We are not gonna be the people to make excuses for our sins and act like, well, they're not that bad and the consequences aren't that big and it's not any of the big sins. No, we are gonna be the people 
according to the Bible, that know sin, hate sin, and will admit our sins. We will confess our sins all day long because our Lord and Savior went to the cross for our sins, died for our sins, was punished for our sins, took the judgment of God for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27, that it is appointed unto man once to die and after that comes judgment. But the very next verse, verse 28 says, Christ will come again. And when he comes, Hebrews 9, 28, he will not deal with sin when he comes. You know why? Because he already did. The cross was a huge, huge dealing with sin and it was massive. The Bible says it went dark during the day, an earthquake happened, people started freaking out. It was a wild scene because the holy God died for me and you. He died for us. That's how we think about sin. Church, don't sin. Work hard to not sin. Discipline yourself to not sin. Train yourself to not sin. Study to not sin. Love and repent to not sin. But... If you do, when you do, when we do, as often as we do, we have Jesus. We have a Savior. We have an advocate right now talking to God for us. Believe him. It pains me to think that the message can get lost sometimes because of our failure to care, because of our failure to live it out because of our apathy toward the truth, it pains me. But it is so good when the people of God, like you or I, put ourselves together and read the truth. Don't sin. If we do sin and when we do sin, don't run from God, run to Christ. Because Christ has dealt with our sins already. Any of you, anybody, anyone can be forgiven of all of your sins. Don't deny it. Don't make excuses. Don't try to hide them. Turn to Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the love of God and the life-changing message that you have dealt with our sins. Thank you for Jesus Christ, the righteous, our advocate, who died for us. God, thank you for taking the judgment, the punishment, removing our sins. Father, lead us now. God, help us to not be those who are wrong about singling out sins and help us to not be those who are wrong to not recognize our own sins. God, help us to be those who emphasize Jesus because we know of our sins. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. If you're here